So we're going to pick up from where we were last week. I uh, didn't get very far in my notes, but you'll be greatly relieved to know that uh, I'm not going to go over what you missed last week. I did print out some notes from last week. Uh, if you want to get that, you can catch up. But we're going to pick right up. If, you'll turn to, if you're going to be using your Bible, if you'll turn to 2 Timothy um, chapter 1. And um, I, you'll see right there on the notes. We do have notes for this week's sermon. If you need some and you want some, there's some back there. Uh, so I'm trying to honor what a tradition that Ben Cotton has started here where he writes copious notes and you can read along while he's preaching and you can tell if he's staying on point or not. And last week, if you were trying to follow my notes, you were going, this guy's not staying on point. So I'm going to see if I can do that today, but I don't want to do anything that the Lord doesn't want me to do. So if he decides, okay, take, a, take another turn, I'll do that. But I believe we can get through today. I think, uh, I think you said we're supposed to do all of 2 Timothy, both letters, 1 and 2 Timothy. Oh, okay, piece of cake, we'll get right through it. So in last week's teaching, we got through uh, only verses 1 through 7 of uh, chapter 1, 2 Timothy 1. Yes, yeah, 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. And so I was preparing for this yesterday. Uh, you know, I've been doing, I've been preparing a long time. I've been doing lots of back study. I've been doing lots of, uh, I need to start my stopwatch. Okay. I've been doing lots of, uh, I've been doing lots of study in my quiet times, getting ready for this. Just went back and read the whole book of Acts, particularly. Uh, we were reading it in our, in our home fellowship anyway, but I particularly went back once I realized I read the passage that uh, uh, Ben had given me to speak, and I thought, I'm just going to go back from the time Paul came on the scene, which as you know, if you know anything about Paul's life, he came on the scene when Stephen was being martyred, and he was there approving of it, and he left that place to go hunt Christians and kill them, imprison them. He was a part of the San he, uh, he was not a part of the Sanhedrin, but he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and this Jesus cult that was starting, he was going to put a stop to it. He had a zeal to do it. He had a lot of knowledge. He, stuttered, he studied under Gamaliel. And Gamaliel was the one in the Sanhedrin when the, the disciples had, uh, you know, just kept the momentum going after the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Gamaliel was the one that, you know, they were, the Pharisees were ready to... Sanhedrin was ready to kill those boys right then. They were ready to kill them. And Gamaliel says, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's been lots of deceivers come along and they get a little following for a while. He said, if this is a God, you don't want to mess with it. That was, that was, that was the Apostle Paul's rabbi, if you will. And so then he, kind of not in the same spirit of his rabbi, goes out and goes, we're going to kill us some Christians. And he goes to Damascus and he's ready to kill Christians. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But, um, but the point is, is that after last week's study, we really focused on the father-son relationship between the Apostle Paul and his son in the faith, Timothy. And then I renamed the part one from last week. I renamed it the relational dynamic 
for making disciples. And I've become well acquainted with this church through the years as I've known you before Ben Cotton was here, been in a fellowship of churches that was associated with this church for years and associated with the church in Greensboro for years. So there's a relational dynamic that I carry with you guys that maybe you don't even aren't even aware of, but I've seen your history. I've seen just like in any other uh, stream of church's history, I've seen the good parts of your history. I've seen the bad parts of your history. Not that there's any, like as she feigns shock over here. <laughs> and I've seen it all, and God has this amazing way of working through broken humans like you and me. <laughs> And, and getting, taking us through and taking us through uh, the disciplinary stuff we need to become more like Christ and to build His church in the, in the earth, many times in spite of us. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Not because of us. Because when He looked at Peter, and Peter said, He'd ask him who Christ was, He goes, you know, who's the Christ? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And Jesus said, on that rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against. That's what we're doing here, folks. This is not, as I prayed, Connie will tell you, we prayed a couple of times. I'm not here last week or this week just to fill a slot. I'm here because I believe God is doing something. Of course, I'm here because Ben invited me, and I'm not going to say no to Ben. But I'm also here because I believe that this is a, a really important part in the history of your church. I love it that they're not here. I love the spirit, I mean, because you're giving them a break. And uh, how many of you know pastors need breaks? Because they get kind of, they can start grinding it out. <laughs> they need a break. And I'd like for him to come back, him and Heather come back and go, oh my goodness, they didn't miss us. Wow, I mean, you mean the Holy Spirit kept moving without us? Yes. Be cool if you were just in full-scale revival and everything when they came back. And he goes, well, uh, I guess I got a lot of work to do, don't I? Help disciple these sheep, help clean these fish. So this is what we're talking about with Timothy. We're talking about an apostle writing to a man that he discipled and trained up personally and saying, listen, here's how you got to do this thing because the devil's not happy about this thing that happened in Ephesus. He is not thrilled. He hates it. And the, the scripture says in Ephesians that the manifold wisdom of God is revealed in the earth through his church. Jesus makes himself real through his body. And the thing that we so often fall prey to and the thing that the world focuses on is the fact that a lot of us followers of Christ blow it and don't get it right. And we're particularly, we're particularly focused on leaders who fall, leaders who abuse their authority, all the bad stuff, and then many people get to the point of going, I'm done. Tapping out. I don't even know if I believe this stuff. I'm going to deconstruct my faith. And I'm here to say to you this morning, I don't know where every one of you are in your walk, but let me tell you something. 
You decided to follow Jesus if you really did. You did not decide to follow this church. You did not decide to follow Ben Cotton. You did not decide to follow humans. You you decided to follow the greatest human. You decided to follow a God-man named the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's still very much alive and well today. And he's still speaking. And he's still leading. Because he told his disciples. He said, listen guys, it's better for you that I go away. Because when I go away, guess what's going to happen I'm going to send somebody just like me to be with you forever and to lead you. So when he said, I'm going to send you another comforter, I think we covered this last week. He didn't say, you read the Greek, he didn't say, I'm going to send somebody different from me. He said, I'm going to send somebody just like me to be with you forever. The problem is, big problem for many of us, we have a hard time following an invisible leader. We have a hard time understanding how to hear the voice of God. But Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice and know my voice and they will follow me. So it's up to us as humans to discern whose voices you're listening to. From the pulpit, uh, you know, from YouTube channels. You know, you got to learn how to be able to discern because not everything that comes out of the mouths of really charismatic speakers is from Jesus. And so we have a response. We can point to, well, this leader did this, this leader did that. And unfortunately, there's a lot of pointing to do. But you're responsible before God for your own walk with Christ. You decided, God has been reminding me this. He says, Ben, 46 years ago, you decided. I mean, I messed around before then, and I decided when I was a kid, kind of halfway. And then I decided again when I was in college, kind of really, really seriously, got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues in a Southern Baptist church, which you don't do. Not, not approved. I was in a home fellowship this week, and they said, you know, they said, we went to this really, really good church, and it was here in the, this area. I won't name the church. But he said, it was a good church. But they had no emphasis or no understanding about who the Holy Spirit was. And so he said, that church was a good church, but it was like my interpretation. This guy said this just this last Thursday. He said it was like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. <laughs> it's not, that's not what it's... Listen, if we're going to teach people how to follow Jesus, we got to teach them about God the Father. we got to teach them about God the Son. we got to teach them about God the Holy Bible. No. That the Holy Bible is the way, the thing that, G, that God made sure we got. 66 books in one volume that we can stay on track and not be deceived by some deceiving spirit. Amen? So if somebody comes along and says, the Holy Spirit said this, and then you can, you can say, no, 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 that's not the Word of God. Then you've got to say, hold on. And that's where the body of Christ can be healthy. We can hold each other accountable. And a lot of times, especially if you get a strong-willed leader who doesn't want to be accountable, they can try to make you submit to things, disputable matters, that's inappropriate for them to do. And, you know, I used to be one of these guys, you know, would talk about church, I'd say, just hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. You know, maybe you're there to set it right. Let me tell you something. 
There comes a point when you stop hanging in there. Because you didn't, you didn't decide to follow. I'm not advocating hopping churches, okay? I'm a hang, I hang around a long time. When I'm committed to a church, sometimes I overstay. I mean, 20-some years in one church that I was with from the beginning, 15 years in another church that I picked up. I'm a long stayer. But I'm, at the church I go to now, I told you last week, it's a mega church in Boone. I mean, you know, Boone's a small, uh, Watauga County's a small county, 60,000 total in Watauga County, the whole county. And that includes the students. You know, I'm, I'm in a mega church, and actually, if you want to know, I didn't, Connie and I, neither one like mega churches. What are you going to do if this becomes a mega church? You probably don't like, some of you probably, I don't want it to get too big. Why? Is that not what you're here for? You've got a really nice property. This will expand nicely. And it's a sheep shed. And wouldn't it be good that if God moved in such a way you just didn't know what to do with all the people and you didn't know how to handle it all and you'd have to have teams upon teams to help make disciples because it's not just the pastor's job. And every one of us is gifted and called. And you're probably looking at my notes and you're going, he hasn't gotten to point one. <laughs> I just feel like this is okay. Second Timothy chapter one, one through seven, just you can read the notes. It sums up what we read last week. You've got eyes, you can read. So then I'm just going to pick up under that. The primary focus of that teaching, what we saw last week, was on what kind of man Paul was. It's been a lot of a lot of time talking about what kind of man he was. We didn't, actually, that's the part, I, I wanted to say a lot more about what kind of man he was. He was probably, many feel like he was the greatest human Christian who's ever walked the earth. It was he who worked with the church in Antioch, and he and Barnabas worked with the church. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But it was in Antioch that they started calling Christians Christians, and Christians meant little Christ. Now, I love that. I love reading that because when you think about Jesus and him coming and him starting a revolution and the Jewish religion succeeding and getting the Romans to go along with him and crucify Jesus, and they're going, well, we took care of that. And all of a sudden, all these little Jesuses start popping up everywhere. And they're going, we got to kill it. We got to kill it. We got to kill it. And Paul was one who was part of killing it until Jesus got a hold of it. So we talked a lot about Paul last week. And now, now Timothy's uh, father in the faith, if you want to go to the notes, he's one of the most knowledgeable, influential, and beloved men of history. He's now writing a letter to Timothy from the prison in Rome before he was finally martyred for his faith. So, you know, as I've studied for this, don't... You know, if you find out I'm wrong, just give me a break. But, but 1 Timothy was written separately from 2 Timothy. Paul didn't say, I'm going to write one letter, I'm going to write another letter, right in a row. I think that 1 Timothy was written, uh, you know, probably, I mean, some people think that there was two times that, that, that Paul was in a Roman prison and that, uh, you know, I can't substantiate that from Scripture, but it could have been his first, his first one was the first time he was in prison. But it's for sure, this is for sure about 2 Timothy. This is the last letter 
Paul wrote to anybody. So when he wrote that second letter, and even forget what I just said about the first letter. I don't know if it was in prison or where it was. It was just before. But when he wrote that second letter, and I want you to think about this a minute. I want you to put yourself in Paul's shoes, and you've had a long, meaningful, intense relationship with following Christ, and you have poured your life out for the gospel, and you're sitting in a prison cell, and you know what's going on in Rome, and you know what a crazy man Nero is, and you're thinking to yourself, this is it. I'm not going to be alive much more. And then you think about Timothy, my son. You're going to see in our notes, and you're going to see that it's, it's believed that the first time Paul encountered Timothy, and I mentioned this last week, given the sneak preview, he's probably 13 years old. And so from the time he was 13 until the time he was in his 40s, probably, he knew Paul. From the time he was 16, he started following Paul. He got, he got picked. <laughs> Paul came back to a place he'd been before, and he goes, I want you to come with me on my journeys. And he told him, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, and then we can get to the scripture if we get to it. And, and he told him, he goes, <clears throat> now they were in Lystra, which is a, it was, Lystra was a, um, it was a place where Greek mythology and those gods, Zeus and Hermes and all of those things, those gods, that Greek mythology, we call it mythology today, but they believed it was real then. And this was a, Lystra was a city where, yes, there were Jewish synagogues, but there was also this really crazy religion that worshipped a pantheon of gods. It's interesting to me that both the Romans and the Greeks had their own gods. And our God's such an awesome God, <laughs> he can do it all. But in these, in these um, pagan religions, they had to have a God for this, a God for that, a God for this, a God for that, a God for this. And in the Catholic system, you've got to have a saint for this, a saint for that, a saint for this, a saint for that. We don't need all that. We need Jesus. Amen? God came to earth in the form of a man, and we can't understand. It blows our minds. And he told Philip, he goes, Philip says, just shows the Father. And he goes, Philip, you've been with me now for three years. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's true, but how many of you know they haven't seen the Father, if you know what I mean? The Creator, the one we sang about this morning, the one who's so much higher than we are, so much, His ways are higher, His thoughts are higher. We can't, it's too much. It's like sometimes I get in worship when there's good worship, and my mind just goes... Wow, what am I worshiping here? It's beyond us. And, the, and you read out of Isaiah, I think, this morning. 
And it reminded me of that verse in Isaiah 66, 3, where God says, Who is the one that I esteem? He who is humble and contrite and who trembles at my word. I love the worship song we sang this morning that talked about being in the presence of God and trembling. Let me tell you something, what's going to happen in the church in the coming days. The fear of the Lord is going to return. We've lost that in the church of America. We're so cavalier about God and Papa, you know, he's my daddy and all. I mean, I'm not, I am not going to diminish that in one iota, although I just kind of did. But, <laughs> but there is a lack of a holy fear. And it's been, I'm talking to you, not from a high place of, well, I've always had the fear of the Lord. I've been kind of shocked of how other people don't have the fear of the Lord. I'm talking about, I'm talking to you from a low place, not a high place. It just seems like I repent all the time now. Because I've been too cavalier in my relationship with the Lord God Almighty who created me, who knit me together in my mother's room, who had a plan and a purpose for me. And I was not a mistake. And thank God my mom didn't have an opportunity to put an end to my life. And we live in a nation that's going off the rails because we think we have the right to do things that, well, we think we can kill babies in wombs and we think that we can defy creation and say, well, you're born... A, a male or a female or a something. It's crazy what's going on in our culture, isn't it? So, not even gotten through the first page, have we? It's all right. We've got some time left. So, as you read Second Timothy, know that you're reading the last words of this great man of God. This is a quote from the Life Application Bible. I, I actually, I, one of the reasons I retyped my notes today is because I read this, and I said, i got to put this in. Anyway, last-minute read. But uh, know that you're reading the last words of this great man, man Paul. I've got his final message to Timothy. i got that in all caps. And to all who would claim to follow Christ, not just to Timothy, but to us, okay? It's not, as I said, this is not just a letter to Timothy. This is a letter to the church. It's a, yes, it's a, it's a letter to church leadership, but it's a letter to us and what the church is all about. As you do that, I, want to, I hope this happens in our hearts. Because, you know, when a guy preaches, we preach. We, we, we share the Word of God. But we can't bring conviction, amen? There's only one who can bring conviction. And that's the Spirit of the living God. That's why I'm also convinced that in addition to a return of the fear of the Lord, there's got to be a return of a respect for and a hungering for and a longing for the Holy Spirit to come in a way that we're laying hands on people again. Not because we're thinking, well, we know, you know, God says we can heal the sick. No, because the Holy Spirit's speaking to us so strong and that we're getting bold enough to walk up to somebody and say, you know, I don't know you. I've never met you before. But I feel like the Lord told me something about you. Now, I've never operated in that kind of thing. We hear stories. But I want to. 
Wouldn't that be great? And you're, you're out on a limb because they're looking at you. Probably when you start a thing like that, they're probably looking at you like going, who is this nut? And then you speak to them the truth of God and you cut them open. You tell them things that they, you did not know about them like Jesus illustrated with the woman in the well. Hey, go and tell your husband. Oh, I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had about five or six. And the man you're living with now is not your... What does she do? I perceive you're a prophet. Well, are we little Jesus? Does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Can he speak to us like that again? Can we fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit in ourselves and trust that as we go out and we represent him and we're little Christ, can he not speak to us? Can he not have us go up to maybe somebody that in our flesh... And I really want to emphasize in our flesh because our human minds trip us up so much. Can we not go up to somebody who in our flesh we actually really don't like and get over our flesh and love like Jesus loved? Jesus said, love your neighbors. Love the Lord your God, all your mind, soul, strength, etc. Love your neighbors as yourself and then they say well who's my neighbor because they were trying to justify himself he goes the person you hate the worst is your neighbor that's basically what the good Samaritan was all about so think about the kind of group the people group the people you just hate the worst and think about God being able to speak to you beyond your own prejudices your own mindsets that set themselves up against the knowledge of God so you can walk up to that person and say, I think I'm supposed to tell you this. You don't have to dress it all up and the Spirit of the Lord would say, you don't have to do that. Jesus didn't do that, right? I mean, Jesus, I mean, the, the thing I love about Jesus, he showed us how to do it. Sometimes he just a lot of he'd do it different all the time. And he'd also, because they knew he could heal, he'd have people walking up to him who were blind. And he'd say, So what do you want? Blind man would go, hello, I want to see. He goes, well, I'm just making sure. And then he'd say things like, "Uh, do you want to get well? How many of you know that there's some people get so comfortable in their pain and the identity they get from their pain, they don't want to get well? How, How many of you know that you might have faith to see somebody healed, but that person may not want to be healed because they've gotten so comfortable with their 38 years of invalidism But that, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I got kind of got a good setup here. I got Medicare. I got Medicaid. Got people taking care of me. I got wheelchairs that get me in and out. But you know, as the things get darker in our days and people can't depend on the government anymore, how many of you know there's going to be people saying, well, "Maybe I need to turn to God." And wouldn't it be nice if the church was ready and <laughs> said, "Well, come on in. We don't have much silver and gold, but what we do have we'll give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Okay. I think we're on page two. So what we're going to do, we're really going to have to move fast. So maybe this is why Ben Cotton does notes. He can just get up here and, and, and wing and then just get through his notes. So, actually, my notes say right now that we're supposed to read all of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 18, and 2, 1 through 13. 
So I think that, that since that's what I'm here for, I think it would be appropriate for me to read this from the New International Version. And I think you are going to be reading it from the uh, ESV. But I want us to keep in mind that this was Paul's letter. And we're not, I'm not going to stop at every point, so don't be worried about that. <laughs> I couldn't get past seven verses last week. We're just going to read through it. I just want you to get it in your mind. This was written. These are the last words, man. Start in verse 8. So do not be ashamed to, to testify about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either. Don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. Now here's one that we don't like preached. But join me in suffering for the gospel. I said I wasn't going to take it aside. How many of you know the church in America doesn't like to talk about suffering? They want to talk about victory, overcoming suffering. Well, yes, we're, going to, we're overcomers, but they don't want to talk about the suffering that comes from living in a fallen world from all kinds of ways. Paul suffered a great deal because he was persecuted. So if we're going to follow Jesus in the way I'm talking about, we like all the good things. We're going to heal the sick. We're going to, well, you're also going to suffer because the world, the spirit of the Antichrist of the world that we live in, it's really not excited about the spirit of Christ. And it will do anything it can to resist, stamp it out, and if they have to kill us, then so be it. Who knows if martyrdom will return to America, but I wouldn't be surprised. Who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, not because we're so great, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us. Grace is free. We didn't earn it. We come to the place of going, man, I'm hopeless. And Jesus says here, well, I got to get good enough to before you can receive me. Hello, you're never going to get good enough. You need something called grace. Grace is undeserved favor. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus. I love this. Catch this. Before the beginning of time, Jesus was not God's plan B. He knew. He knew. He knew before he created us and gave us in his sovereignty, God in his sovereignty, when he put this planet, created this planet, and he, I don't know how they decided to do it, but they decided we're going to create somebody in our image like, just like us. And then he did something very, very radical. He gave us a free will. Now you get in trouble with Calvinists talking about free will. So I'm not a hyper-Calvinist and I'm not a hyper-Armenian. I'll just tell you this about the free will and God giving us in his sovereignty, giving us the right to choose. Here's what I'm going to tell you. This is, this is a good takeaway. It's a mystery. Mic drop, walk off the stage. It's a mystery. If I could, understand, if I could explain it to you, now it wouldn't be a mystery, would it? And we've taken the mystery out of the faith, so I can't explain it. But I know something about each one of us in our room, in this room today, every single one of us today, 
what God has not taken away from us when we decided to follow him. He has not taken away our right to choose. Amen? Amen. So we can walk out of here today and we can choose to lay into our spouse and let them know a thing or two about themselves. Or we can make some other really stupid decisions. I'm not advising anybody to do that, please. But how many of you know when you make stupid decisions, even as a follower of Christ, you get to experience the stupid consequences of your stupid decisions? Why? Because God loves you. I told you it's going to work out, but not, yeah, okay. You choose to sow to your flesh, you're going to from your flesh reap destruction. So how about not doing that? Well, I can't, Lord. I know you can't, so you got grace. Amen? How are we going to get through this passage? But it's now been revealed through the appearance of grace. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Who has destroyed death. <laughs> I'm not afraid to die, y'all. I get jealous sometimes at funerals. I'm going, man, they get to check out. That means they're in the presence of the Lord. And if I don't know that, I'm going, ooh, I hope they... Not my call. Now, this gospel, I, that's good news. I was a, he, said, he knew what he was. I was appointed as a herald and apostle and teacher. That's why I'm suffering. Because I decided to follow Jesus. And Jesus decided he wanted me to be an apostle. And he decided that he wanted me to be an apostle of Gentiles. And he decided that he wanted me to speak to kings. Gentile kings. He wanted me to speak to obstinate Jews. And he wanted me to do it boldly and courageously. Whether they liked it or not. Because he just knew that he knew that he needed somebody like me. Who would be broken. Of his own strength and understand how to walk in a higher power. And he said, I'm not ashamed because I know whom I believed. And I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. How, how many of you have been walking with God for a long time and there were times you thought, this is it, I'm not going to make it. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you were walking with God and it got so dark and the valley got so deep, you thought, man, this isn't what I was thought it was going to be. And how many of you know Jesus saw you through it? And he got you to the other side. And he brought you out of the horrible pit. And he brought you out of the miry clay. And he set your feet upon a rock and he established your goings. And he put a new song in your mouth when you thought your singing days were over. You thought your rejoicing days were over because you said, I'm just going to suffer till I die. And he goes, no, i got better plans. If it's his will for you to suffer till you die, then you'll suffer till you die, but you can enjoy it. Because you got somebody who's with you. And then that person that's with you, when you get to the other side, you're going to hang out with them forever. And it's going to get better. Because there's going to be a place where there is no more death, dying, crying, crying, sorrow, injustice. 
What you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard, hey Timothy, there's been a good deposit made in your life. And I'll say to all of you Timothys, and what's the female equivalent of Timothy? It doesn't matter. Timothys. Well, just all of you Timothys. Male and female Timothys out there. Guard the deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it. How are you going to guard it? Because you're just going to try to think hard and do better? No, you're going to guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. You're going to guard it with the help of God himself. God the Holy Spirit who lives here on earth and can speak to you, can fill you, can change you, can give you victory over sin. God the Holy Spirit right here. He's present today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. That was a fun thing, wasn't it? You see, he'd see all these miracles, thousands of people getting saved, and all of a sudden he'd find himself alone in a prison cell. Ain't nobody coming to see me. And then he talks about the ones that did. Let's skip down to chapter 2. You then, my son, be strong. You then, Living Hope Church, be strong. Be courageous. Never give up. Persevere. Hold on. Because God knows the end from the beginning. He just wants you to be there when it happens. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So we do need teachers. There's, there is something that went through the charismatic movement where we don't need any man to teach us, you know. And, and it, granted, we're not in a... This, this thing of the kingdom of God, it's not a, about some hierarchical thing where there's authority from the top down. There's one authority. And he is the top. And there is no other. He's the king of kings, the lord of lords. He's the pope. There is no human pope from which we say, okay, well, whatever the pope says. How many of you know the pope's been wrong about a lot of things? Not here to bash the Catholic Church. I am here to bash hierarchy authority, which this group of churches has been subjected to as well. Just let me say very kindly, and I won't get into it. But I've been under hierarchical leaders who would tell me things, and they'd say, well, I'm the guy, and this is what I want you to do. And I'd be saying to myself, well, that doesn't feel right to me. And it wasn't that it just didn't feel right. There were scriptural bases, and I'm going, well, just submit to me because I'm an elder. There's one elder who believes in elders, and if somebody's telling me to submit to something that doesn't agree with what my top elder says, I wish, you know, I don't have any regrets, but it sounds like I got some regrets, doesn't it? I'm not going to let it happen again, by the grace of God. And not only that, I'm 68 years old. I'm going to try to tell younger people, hey, look, I made some mistakes. Don't make the same stupid mistakes I did. And let me tell you something. There's a conspiracy in our culture that has sunken into the church 
where the young people don't want to hear what the old people have to say. And they need to listen to what the old people have to say. Because how many of you old people can testify the fact, I've made a lot of stupid mistakes. Okay, but let's don't stop there. How many of you could also testify, and I've learned a lot of valuable lessons from my stupid mistakes. And how many of you know that if you're still alive, that means God might want to use you to speak to some young person, some young man, some young woman, and say, you know what, I see you going down a path that's not a good path. And if they've got some humility, and if they're following Christ, they're going to submit to you, not because you're just some old person that's been around a while. They're going to submit to you because they're following Christ, and they recognize, hey, this is... You know, listen, just let's, let me say something to you. We're following Jesus, so if anybody's trying to tell you something, here's your safety valve. Jesus, are you speaking to me through this person? How many of you know that Jesus can speak to you through an unbeliever? I mean, if he could speak through a donkey. Okay, I'm not going to go further with that. I mean, I was going to say something about, look what he's doing with me. No, I mean, we won't go there. Okay. Wow. We still got to read the rest of this, these verses. We're going to do it, and, you know, we're, we're going to worry about the notes. You can read the notes later. It'll happen. I'll read some of it. Ooh, I'm 20 minutes over. I'm 10 minutes over. The trap door is about to open. If I go, just, you know, you can get the notes and I'll. <laughs> Let's finish reading. No one serving, well, he says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. I, I'm going to re resist the urge to comment. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, so you, you need, well, I'm going to say something. You need jobs. Okay, it's not like. Okay, I'm not going to get involved in civilian affairs. I'm not going to have it. I'm just going to go just follow Jesus and I'm going to go to the mission field. Well, you are in the mission field. And so you got to please your commanding officer. Are you doing God's will even in your work? Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight. I love this. Paul's going, here's what I'm saying to you. But listen, just reflect on it. Jesus will make it real. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Do not. You don't hear, remember anything else from my two times here. Do not get your eyes off of Jesus. That's the biggest thing that Satan's going to try to do. He's going to try to separate you from your only lifeline, who is Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who's alive and well, who speaks to you by spirit, speaks to you through the multi-membered body of Christ, is here to help you. Do not get separated from the shepherd of your souls. Because when you get separated, that's when the wolves come for you. God's doing something in my heart. I think I alluded to this last week. I believe one of the things he wants me to do is go after the strays. Because there's a lot of them out there. And I understand why they stray.
as one who strayed myself. This is my gospel for which I'm suffering. It's a good news for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word's not chained, amen? <laughs> Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. They too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we're also going to live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we disown him, now here's, here's where the choice comes in. You disown him, he'll disown you. If you're deconstructing your faith, may I encourage you to reconstruct it. Don't disown him. Don't make a bad choice. A bad choice is to say, I just don't know if I want to follow you, Jesus. You need to follow Jesus. He's the only hope. If we're faithless, he'll remain faithful. So now we're going to get back to the notes, and I'm, I'm, going to, I'm actually done. I think we can just go through this real quick. We're kind of going through the life of Paul and Timothy and their relationship. You'll know, you got the, You can read this for yourself if you want to, but we, we go to Acts, we alluded to this last week. I don't know if we actually went to the scripture, but we talked about a lot. We talked about Acts 9, 1 through 18. That's where Paul was going to hunt Christians. And Jesus knocked him off his high horse. Any of you ever felt like Jesus knocked you off your high horse? Okay. So we talked about that, and then we'll see it. Uh, in Acts 9, 26 through 20, 29, we'll see how he had to get out of Damascus because the same, uh, the same people that sent him to hunt, hunt Christians came to hunt him. <laughs> Why? He was going there to kill him, and then all of a sudden he realized, wait a minute, Jesus really is the Messiah, and he was doing such a good job of convincing everybody he'd gone to persecute, he really is the Messiah. They came down there to try to kill him. They had to live Get him out of the city. I think they lifted him in a basket over the walls of the city. And then he goes back. He goes, you know, you need to go to Jerusalem because, you know, the apostles who kind of Jesus trained, they probably need to meet you and hear about you. And he goes to Jerusalem. And those guys said, you know, hey, the guy that went to Damascus to kill Christians, he's here and he's become a Christian. And those apostles said, uh-uh. <laughs> we were there when he saw him, Stephen. We ain't letting him in here. And Barnabas had to come along and say, guys, really, he's cool. I've seen it. It's amazing. You need to receive him. And then what happens? He does such a great job in Jerusalem. <laughs> now he's down there trying to kill him in Jerusalem. So let me just say this about Paul, that if you didn't know it, you already know it, but I'm going to just make it clear. From the time he got knocked off that horse, Jesus told him, I'm going to show you how much you've got to suffer. He suffered from that point until he died a martyr's death. And his life, just like Jesus' life, was under a constant death threat because we live in a world that hates to hear that their way is not the best way. They don't want to hear about a higher way and there's a way you need to walk in and that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You don't come to the Father. People don't want, oh, that's not fair. <laughs> Take that up, you know. God's going to be fair. I used to say, well, what about this person? You've never heard of what? And Jesus just said, you know what? That's really my concern. Don't you worry about me being fair. I'm more fair than anybody you've ever seen, and I'm very merciful. So just don't you worry about anybody else. I'm talking to you. <laughs> you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. 
So then you go on and you read. You know, they had to get him out. He ends up in Antioch. Now Jerusalem was a launching pad for the church. Now Antioch becomes a launching pad, a second launching pad for the Gentile believers. And Paul and Barnabas were tearing it up. And they were in Antioch for a long time. And then the Holy Spirit said, separate me these guys because i got something else for them to do. I mean, I know you're like in Antioch and you want to hang out here. I mean, I had to persecute you to get you out of Jerusalem. Just separate these guys and they go. And it's in the first missionary journey that they come to a place called Lystra. These are all in the scriptures. We were going to go over it in a copious involved way. But I, I really want to tell you, do you all mind if I just finish this? Okay. I, I really feel bad for over-speaking, but I kind of don't. I mean, I'm just going to finish. Okay, so he goes to Lystra. He walks into Lystra. He walks into a Jewish synagogue. I mean, he's had Let me tell you something about Paul's missionary journeys. It wasn't all just led by the Holy Spirit. A lot of it, he was running from the Jews who were trying to kill him from city to city. He'd circle back and go other places. I mean, he was under leadership of the Holy Spirit. He shows up in Lystra, comes to a Jewish synagogue. He's preaching the word of God so boldly. He sees a guy there who's been crippled since birth, and he perceived he had faith to get healed, and he says... God, I can see you have faith to be healed. Rise up and walk in Jesus' name. And what happened in Lystra, they were so impressed with this. Now keep in mind, Lystra, <coughs> like Ephesus, was a place of Greek gods and goddesses. <laughs> and they were so impressed when that guy got healed that the, that the priest from the temple of Zeus came in with a bunch of animals and they said, we're going to sacrifice to you because... We believe Paul is Zeus and Barnabas is Hermes. That that happened. And they're going, I mean, they're going out. No, 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 no. They're ripping their clothes. Look, we're humans just like you are. We're not gods. <clears throat> and then they explain to them the gospel. <clears throat> and you go, man, what a wonderful story. And then what happens? The Jews that are chasing them show up. This is in Lystra. <laughs> they show up after this great miracle. And they're wanting to sacrifice to these guys called... And the Jews show up and turn the whole mob against them. They went from wanting to, you know, sacrifice animals to them to wanting to kill them. And they, the Jews succeed in stoning Paul. They pull him outside the gates of the city. They leave him for dead. And they go, we took care of him. And what did Paul do? <laughs> now this is Timothy's there at this meeting. With, along with his mama. His grandmama, Lois and Eunice, they're there. They're watching this happen. And Paul just comes walking back in the city. I mean, I love it. And he didn't walk like that, I'm sure. Because he was a humble man. He wasn't going to walk in all cocky. He's just going to walk back in. He's going, well, I knew this was going to happen. Jesus told me the job was dangerous when I took it. And then they said, well, you need to get out of here. And he goes somewhere else. Now you fast forward three years later in the second missionary journey he goes to Lystra and he's looking for 16 year old Timothy because he's heard a lot about him and he said I want you to come with me on my journey. So there you go. I got through all of that, all those scriptures. We don't have to go back. I was going to end by reading some of those scriptures we just read. But from that point on, 
and you got the notes, you can look up. I, I'm glad you got the notes, because if you really want to get more, you just read these, read these passages I gave you, it'll blow your mind. But from the time that this young man was 13 years old, he met a man who showed him Jesus. He wasn't Jesus. But he demonstrated to him, this is what can happen to a person who has chosen to follow Jesus. And it blew his mind. And he wasn't just a great orator, was he? He said, you know, I didn't, I said, I'm not a great orator like Apollos and some of these other guys. When I came to you, I came with you, power. And from that point on, from the 16 years old until 40-some, Paul was his mentor. Paul was his father in the faith. Paul left him in Ephesus where there was a whole lot of Greek gods. When Paul first went to Ephesus, we were going to read this. We were going to look at it. We weren't going to read it. When Paul first went to Ephesus, such a dynamic move of the Spirit happened, many in, many in the city got saved. And then you know what he did? He cast a spirit out of a girl who was a fortune teller. And the guys that made gods, made idols to Artemis, got really upset because they were losing their livelihood because people were transferring from that kingdom to another kingdom. And there was such a riot in Ephesus, they had to get Paul out. Paul wanted to go and show up and talk to them. They said, no, we've got to get you out. They're going to kill you. They're going to rip you from limb to limb. Do you want to know how much, how, what lengths the spirit of the Antichrist will go in the last, to what lengths he'll go to stop us? He will kill us. He will stop at nothing. He will lie, steal, destroy. Jesus told us all about the devil. I'm not afraid of the devil. God has so much more ability to bless you than the devil has to curse you. But the devil's a liar and the father of lies. Let me end with this, y'all. Follow Jesus. Learn to hear his voice. Learn to follow his voice. Then you're not going to be deceived by other voices that are trying to destroy you. Listen, Satan just doesn't want to just hurt you a little bit. Jesus made it clear. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not a fair fighter. <laughs> but now let's sit where we need to sit. The lion of the tribe of Judah is who we're following. Just like that. He said, guys, listen, don't get up. I saw Satan like, just like that, thrown out of there. And his day's coming. And guess what's really cool? We get to be a part of it. Amen. Thank you so much for letting me come and share with you.